We're joined by Jonathan Horowitz, who is the new education writer at the Desert Sun. If you've been following these stories like I have about what's going on in the Desert Sands Unified School District, you are uh, probably wondering, as I mentioned earlier, whether or not uh, this is what he thought he was going to get in the education beat, this or uh, it might be something more akin to a WWE event. Uh, I I don't know what I would think if I had to cover these things with a straight face, considering the fact that it seems like there's a lot of people who have lost all sense of civility. Welcome, Jonathan. Thank you, John. It's a pleasure to be on the show for the first time. And uh, like you, I hope this is the first of many times. Certainly when I took this position, I realized that now in the education sphere is unlike any time in my lifetime and probably in most parents' lifetimes as well. The challenges that school districts, parents, community members, and and students are facing or have been facing since the start of the COVID-19 pandemic are truly extraordinary um, in terms of their consequences for the learning environment, whether last year that was dealing with some sort of hybrid system where it was both in person or online or the year before where in the middle of the spring term students were uh, yanked out of their classrooms essentially over uh, spring break and, and resumed online or this year with so many unanswered questions. So I do think that many of the parents who show up to these Desert Sand uh, Unified School Board meetings are legitimately concerned for their uh, their children's education. And um, yes, some of the meetings, even though some of those before I began this job had gotten out of hand, but um, many parents do have and do express uh, fair concerns. As, as the observer for the rest of the community, uh, because we get to read what you write in the newspaper about what is happening at these meetings, uh, give us an idea as to what the makeup generally has been at the last few meetings uh, because I get this feeling like it's very lopsided that it's parents who are anti uh, mask mandate um, is there in reality is there any sort of evenness in terms of the people who show up to these things or uh, do we just kind of have a sensation that it's uh, I guess, a preponderance of, of those people because they're the ones who have the loudest signs and the loudest messages when they get up to the podium? That's a great question, John. Certainly in terms of the meetings I've covered, there is lopsided attendance in favor of those who are anti-mask and anti-vaccine. Uh, some speakers do approach the podium or have submitted uh, comments uh, electronically, which are read by board members in favor of masks and vaccines or expressing support of the board's current uh, actions following state guidelines on COVID-19 uh, health and safety protocols. But definitely the vast majority in attendance feel the other, uh, feel the other way about it. Now, those parents um, who do support the mandates currently in place or the guidelines currently in place have mentioned in their comments this idea of a, a silent majority uh, that agrees with them. And, and certainly that, that um, is plausible that most of the community members in Desert Sands 
are not represented by this very small and, and vocal group attending the school board meetings, although those in attendance would um, like to say otherwise, and, and they do believe that they represent the majority of the community. And I guess without um, more people attending the meetings, it's, it's hard to say, but from my observation, you know, it tends to be the same um, group of people speaking at each meeting, um, most of whom appear white. And as we know, the Desert Sands community is much more diverse and um, represents a, a plurality of viewpoints, uh, both politically, financially, and in terms of education as well. Yeah. Have you had a chance uh, at any of these meetings to ask either uh, the superintendent or any of the assistant superintendents or the board presidents or trustees, have you had a chance to ask any of them if they thought about actually doing some sort of surveying to the parents of all the children in the district to get a better idea of where they stand in terms of their support or or their concerns and how they might more effectively be able to meet the needs of both sides and, and meet in the bill a middle? I haven't had the chance to ask anyone that question in particular. I know the district does a lot of communications with parents and students that uh, I'm not aware of. And I know that they take this uh, very seriously in, in both in terms of addressing the concerns of the community members who speak at the board meetings, but even more than uh, that, making sure that kids and teachers and administrators and, and cafeteria workers and custodial staff and anyone who's physically present at a school campus on a daily basis is safe. I, and I know and I have heard from assistant superintendents that that is the number one priority for them with regard to any conversation about the virus, making sure that people who are employed or receive services from um, the school district are in an environment that's safe. Um, now, of course, the school district says it's following the state guidelines set out in terms of um, submitting proof of vaccine or agreeing to weekly testing, uh, which will take effect in, on October 15th for those who haven't submitted proof of vaccine. Um, Is there any idea at this point in time how many people who work in the school district who have to be at these uh, locations and come into contact with the public and, and with a student body, uh, how many of them have not as yet been vaccinated? We don't know that number in particular. However, Assistant Superintendent Joe Hyde reported at last Tuesday school board meeting that 65% of teachers have submitted their vaccine verification form, which doesn't say if they're vaccinated um, or not, but it is submitting one way or the other, and um, if, if that makes sense. So there's 35% of teachers who have not submitted to the district one way or the other whether they're vaccinated, and they will need to do so with it by October 15th. And what's going to happen on the 15th of October if they don't? Are they going to be sent home? Well, I'm not sure yet what will happen on the 15th, but I have spoken with uh, – district assistant superintendents who um, are really closely monitoring that number and trying to get more on board um, 
to make sure that they're in compliance with the state regulation by that date, the district is already facing shortages uh, of personnel uh, in terms of substitute teachers and cafeteria workers, uh, bus drivers, and the list goes on. And this is not unique to Desert Sands, but a shortage of school personnel is something affecting districts nationwide. So if there is a crisis on the 15th or afterward where too many um, employees are not in compliance, it will be an interesting situation to see how Desert Sands and the other districts here in the Valley approach that. Yeah, it would be interesting to see if that forces them back into a scenario where they have to go back to distance learning through the web or something like that uh, in places where they don't have enough personnel. Yes, hopefully that's not the case, but I'm sure that they're discussing all of the options right now. Who do you see as being the organizer, that main uh, rabble-rouser, shall we say, among the people who are loud and boisterous about not wanting their children to have to wear masks. Is that uh, former television, uh, local television personality, uh, Dan Ball, who I think now is a national network host? Yes, Dan Ball, I don't think he would agree with the characterization that he's a rabble-rouser. However, he certainly seems to be one of the most vocal members uh, of this group attending the school board meetings. He was at um, one on the eve of the first day of school, and he was at last week's meeting as well. Well, I think and I read I think I think read in your writing, uh, didn't I, that he was at one of those meetings where people kept trying to um, yield their time, so to speak. That's correct. So that meeting, which took place the night before the school year started in Desert Sand, uh, a group of, of community members um, who had been showing up to meetings prior in the summer, also discussing COVID-19 and the new ethnic studies class being taught in the district, showed up to that meeting as well with Dan Ball, who had brought a, a camera with him to record um, what was happening. And you're right, community members Everyone who attends has a right to speak for three minutes uh, during the public comment section. And many of those um, attendees chose to cede their time to Dan Ball, giving him uh, essentially, in a way, a, a sort of limitless time to, to speak in front of the board. Um, at, at one point, a board president, Don Griffith, asked that his mic be cut off. And after that, he soon cleared uh, the room when he deemed that things were getting out of hand, when people started shouting out of turn, when it was not their time to cede uh, to cede to Dan Ball or to speak at the podium. Um, since then, the board has actually changed its protocols. So now you can no longer cede your time. Everyone has their three minutes, but if they choose not to use it, they cannot grant it to somebody else. Good move. Um, I have a, a few more things I want to ask you about, and we're about to go into a break here, but um, I'll quickly mention that uh, there. one of the things I've noted from your reporting is that there are people going to these meetings from areas outside the Desert Sands Unified School District. Like you quote uh, Tony Ringline of Cathedral City 
saying that um, what, with what's going on, it is, quote, entering into communism, end quote. How do these people have any particular say at those meetings when they don't have students in the district? Yes. Well, first, these are public meetings, so there's no law that says you must have an immediate connection to the, the district or any public agency, for that matter, to attend. So it is within their right to go and to speak. And I believe in the case of Tony Ringline, uh, she's from Cathedral City, that she uh, has a grandchild or grandchildren in the district, if I'm not mistaken. There are a couple of things that amaze me. There's somebody by the name of Tony Snell, uh, who was one of the public speakers, I guess, at one of these board meetings. And you report that he had alleged that the district Desert Sands Unified, has been secretly funded for years by the Shanghai Municipal People's Government. Can you elaborate on that? Yes. So when Tony stepped up to the mic, he started on this preamble about how he's been digging up documents online and he's reviewed about 10 years of records from Desert Sands Unified and has found a trail of payments between the district and uh, SMEC, which is Shanghai Municipal People's Government, although he said it was uh, SMEC uh, on those documents and in, in a not-so-good uh, effort to, to hide or camouflage this behavior, which, uh, of course, uh, is not true. Uh, at the time he made those comments, I was sitting next to the district spokesperson, uh, Mary Perry, and I leaned over and asked, uh, you know, I, I can't believe I even need to ask, but do you have any comment on on uh, on your relationship with uh, with Shanghai? <laughs> and um, and it's true, the district has a has an exchange program set up for students to go to China. But beyond that, there's there's uh, no relationship between Desert Sands and China, and certainly no. Uh, you know, infiltration, as Tony Snell alleged, of of um, no educators. Se- no secret funding. <laughs> no secret funding and, and no infiltration of uh, Communist Party education directly from China to, to Desert Sands. Uh, I, how do you keep your wits about you doing this job some days? Um, you know, there was also, it said in the story, uh, one speaker comparing the district's policies to Nazi rule uh, rule, and others read from the Bible. And one said that the mask mandate was harming children in uh, a quote unquote direct act against God. Did they um, further elaborate about uh, what that direct act might be construed as from their uh, reading of the Bible? They might have. I don't remember off the top of my head which verses from the Bible were read and whether there was a link that they made between those verses and that that quote. But certainly these board meetings um, go, they they cover all sorts of topics beyond just masks and vaccines. I mean, on the one end, I I do feel um, like there are parents who raise respectful and legitimate concerns, like one a parent who has a six-year-old child who wears glasses and, and, and really struggles to read when his glasses 
fog up. And, and sure. for those of us who do wear glasses, we understand that that is an issue, especially for a child. I certainly but, experienced that myself. And and yes, I think yeah. if I were much younger and, and not as understanding, uh, it would be very difficult for me to be in that environment as well but uh, you know one of the things I want to underscore here from also from your reporting that people can read at desertsun.com is that um, as of last Wednesday morning uh, Desert Sands lists 91 active cases of COVID-19 17 of those among staff 77 among students and so I think we have to remember that in the end the school board and the administration, the teachers, and everyone else associated with this um, are simply trying to make this the safest possible environment so that kids can come back together and be with their teachers and, and in the classrooms. And to do that, we might have to make some sacrifices for a while. Um, I'd love to have you back soon and talk about some of the other things that are going on in the school districts across the valley. And and so I hope we'll get to repeat this very soon. Thank you very much, uh, Jonathan. Jonathan Horowitz, the education writer at the Desert Sun. And if people want to write to you, uh, do you have an email address that they can uh, respond to? Yes, thank you, John. It's jhorowitz, which is J-H-O-R-W-I-T-Z, at gannett.com gannett spelled g-a-n-n-e-t-t.com great jonathan horwitz joining us today on the john mcmullen show thanks so much and i'll look forward to catching up with you soon thank you john you bet have a nice day